Hello, wine friends, and welcome to Wine Wednesday. We're here again with Viva Porvino, a podcast about wine. Oh, guys, I'm super excited today. Uh, we are going to be covering a really cool subject. Um, we're going shopping today. We're going to talk about browsing, buying, wine clubs. I'm going to give you some of my favorites off the shelf at the grocery store. We're going to talk about what's at the grocery store and what kind of makes sense for you. Benefits of wine clubs. What wine clubs are out there that I've done or provide some cool benefits and really awesome ways to get different types of wine and unique wines. Um, so I first want to just touch base with everyone and say thanks for your participation in this so far. Um, Viva Porvino is starting to really catch some headway and I'm getting some great feedback. So I really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough for taking your valuable time to listen to me, you know, ramble about wine. So um, I gotta say, I did this week buy a $11 bottle off the grocery store shelf. It's one of my absolute favorites. Um, Bogle Petite Syrah. Uh, I started drinking this when it was $9.99 and now it's gone up to about 11 maybe 12 bucks. It is hands down one of my favorite wines of all time and it comes off a middle shelf at Kroger or Meyer or whatever grocery store you have. I live, like I said, live in Michigan. We have Kroger and Meyer here. So I wanted to kind of talk about some of the tricks to the trade when it comes to buying wine and what you're looking for and what you're looking at and how to buy the wine that makes sense for you and what you like, but also knowing what the packaging looks like, what bottle to look for if you know that you like that particular varietal. Um, so today we're going to start with looking at the package. We're going to talk about shopping by numbers. So what a vintage is, which we talked about that a little bit already, but kind of following where we're going to find different vintages. Um, looking at price. You know, not all wines that cost $100 are going to taste uh, 10 times better than that $10 bottle. Um, some of those are going to be really, really great at 10 bucks, and you may not even like the ones that are $100. I'm going to talk about beating the budget. So we're going to get you into an understanding of what makes sense for you and your pocketbook. What's in your budget? Are we going with bargain? What are collectibles? What luxury brands do you want to kind of stay around and what do you like? Um, then I do want to dive a little bit deeper today in looking at labels because the majority of people shop by label. I was taking care of some guests the other day and I was opening up a bottle and the lady goes, ooh, I really love that label. And I said to her, I'm glad you do. I said, is that typically how you shop for wine? She goes, oh, absolutely. I automatically am drawn to what is on the front of the bottle. So that means she's probably missing out on some spectacular wines because she goes for what's pretty. And we have to understand that sometimes with world labels, um, especially in old world countries and European countries, there's laws and there's different regional requirements on labeling and what's to be put on the label. So not all labels can have this fancy frilly stuff or like printed coolness. Um, I have a couple bottles at my work that have like the grandmother's face on it and 
uh, lady in a corset. And I have another one that is a figure with a football helmet on and a bunch of cool stuff behind it. So I also know that with labels also comes a story, right? So what is the label actually trying to tell you? And on the back of most wines, it'll kind of give you a description of what that wine is. Um, sometimes it tells you the story of the winemaker and why that wine is what it is. So that's always something cool to look for. I mean, beyond like that pretty picture or that, you know, colorful horse or the unicorn or whatever it is that's on that front label, look at the back, read the story. If there's a description of the wine, and the flavor profile, that's a really good indicator to you on what that wine could be for you. Are those flavors that you typically like? But beyond that, there's a lot of the time some sort of snippet about the winemaker and the story behind it, which really can kind of, again, trigger emotion. And that's exactly what wine does every single day. So that's just something to kind of think about and on the back end of that, we're going to dive in a little bit further into buying in restaurants. So what to look for on a restaurant menu, um, thinking about price point, thinking about what their flavors are, what if there's a sommelier there or if there's someone who is an expert in wine it, and can give you their recommendations what are you telling them what kind of questions are they asking you and being that i'm a sommelier in a restaurant i'm going to kind of go over like my idea of what i would do and how i present it at a table so we'll talk about restaurant buying and um no one can force you to spend a bunch of money but they can also t give you options you can have different tiered options in a restaurant you know your mid-tier your high tier your low tier typically are your glass pours, so that's always really easy to, to kind of distinguish. And then I want to jump into uh, some of my favorites off the shelf, and I'm going to talk about some wine clubs. I've been a part of a couple of wine clubs. Um, I sell for a wine club, and there's some other wine clubs I was doing some research on that I found super exciting, and I'm probably going to join one or two i might do a little trial on each to kind of give you guys some more as we develop and grow and maybe the next couple of wine clubs i get to i can recommend which ones i like um so let's do this let's dive in um and start really looking at packaging so like we did the last time we were together as we kind of filled the shoes of the winemaker Today we're going to fill the shoes of, honestly, ourselves at the grocery store. So I want you to think of yourself, close your eyes, and get, you, you got your cart, you're at the grocery store, and you walk down the wine aisle, and you're like, okay, what am I getting? Well, there's round kiosks, there's these end caps, there's like these featured places, and then there's a whole wall, and you have shelving, and you're like, whoa. There's so much to look at. Let's dial it back and let's start thinking about what we actually like. So after tasting wine and getting into it, most people know what they like. Do you like a heavy, bold red where it's a Cabernet or a Syrah or I don't know, Montepulciano or Barolo, or do you like a Zinfandel? What does that look like for you? Are you more of a white wine drinker? Do you like the Savion Blancs? Do you like a Riesling? Or, or do you like a buttery or an oaky Chardonnay? What, what tickles your fancy on that side? And where are we looking? So a few things to think about when you walk into just the wine area, say at like a Kroger or a Meyer, the first thing you're gonna look at is number one, the end caps. These end caps tend to be promotional. These are deals that are going on. These are, we have a ton of cases and we really need to sell these quick. Um, and they're probably more on the budget side, right? 
So they're the bargain brands. They're probably between eight to 12 bucks. Um, but then you're gonna get kind of more towards that center area where it looks like there's more like the high end and the featured wines where you're looking at 26 to like 55, $60 a bottle, right? And these are probably really good. You're probably gonna find, you know, um, your Louis Martinis of the world, your Ferrari Caranos, your Coppolas, um, maybe some Joseph Druins. You're gonna find your, um, your higher end, maybe your Reservas and things like that. You're gonna find those higher end bottles in there. And you're gonna see less of them, um, but you're also going to see them kind of displayed and featured and they might have a tag that has a deal going on to make it look like there's a deal going on. Um, and then let's talk about the shelf because nine times out of 10, maybe you go to a liquor store or a wine store or just the regular grocery store and it's just a shelving unit. And you're looking at the shelves and you're seeing top to bottom and you're like, holy smokes, okay, most of the time they have a label, right? Most of the time you're looking at, oh, it says Riesling or R say Michigan wines typically. And then it goes, you know, Riesling, it goes Pinot Grigio, it goes Chardonnay. And then all the whites kind of get blurred in between there. And then you probably have, you know, um, Pinot Noir, you'll have Cabernet, you'll have red blends. Um, and then all the other reds kind of get mixed in between there. Sometimes you'll have a Zinfandel up there. So you're seeing the labels at the grocery store. And, and so you kind of have an idea of where to go, right? Because they're not going to leave you totally blind. They're going to give you some idea. Now, when we're looking at the bottles, you're looking at all different types of bottles and they're all different shapes, right? So how do we know what we're looking at and what we're looking for without the labels that they're giving us at the top? And it all comes down to the bottle and the shape of the bottle. So if you see a shape that's more the shape of say a Pinot Noir, Syrah, Chardonnay bottle, where it's a little bit thinner at the top and then it kind of slightly bows out and has that, that bigger body at the bottom, right? Those are called burgundy bottles. And those are usually fun-loving, they're modern, typically they're white wine when it comes to Chardonnay. Um, and typically in the red wine, it's going to be your Pinot Noirs, your Syrahs, some, some in the Rhone Valley um, will give you the Burgundy bottles. Now the classic sophisticated bottle that we see more often than not is called the Bordeaux bottle. That's that squared shoulder, that tall. You're gonna see that with cabs, Merlots, Sauvignon Blancs. You're talking just tall, thin, sophisticated bottles. Then you're gonna have the Alsace. And that's more your tall, thin, skinny. So it's, it's a little bit lengthier. It looks like it's gonna have less liquid in it, but it's usually because the top is very elongated. Think of like a giraffe's neck. Um, those tend to be for Gwurztraminer, uh, Riesling, your, more of your sweeter, um, later harvested grapes. A lot of the times it's white. You very rarely see that bottle for red wine. Um, but something to think about when you're looking at the bottles so you can kind of go towards them. You know, if you know you like a Pinot Noir, you're going to go towards that burgundy style bottle. Now, what are you looking at when you're looking at labels? You're looking at fun. You're looking at the picture. You're looking at the colors. Are they bright? Is, is the label matching what the wine looks like? 
Um, is it a nice, like, airy feeling when you see the wine? Um, what, what emotion does that label ignite in, in your senses? So another thing to think about also is the way the wine is corked, packaged, things like that. So classic wine bottles are corked with either a cork um, from natural cork, a synthetic cork that is made, or they have what we call a Stelvin enclosure, which is like that screw top. Um, all are great ways to cork a bottle, um, but you also have to think about the box wine. And in my humble opinion, I don't believe wine should go in boxes, but that's my opinion, uh, take it as you will. I've drank boxed wine before, you know, when you when that's all you get, that's what you get. Um, I know that that black box has like a 92 or something point rating and I feel like, heck yeah, if it's boxed wine and it's wine enthusiasts at 92 points, I would say don't knock it till you try it. So um, maybe I'll have to go get myself a box. Um, but I got quite a few bottles to get through before I do all that. So um, now when we're talking about wine on the shelf, you also have to think about the pricing. So when you're shopping, you're also shopping by number, right? Because we all have only so much money to be spending on wine. And maybe that's something that we do for an investment and that's, that's awesome. But the everyday person is just grabbing a, you know, 10 buck chuck to get themselves through the night, you know, or maybe a couple of nights. I um, grab a bottle or two typically every other time I go to the grocery store just to have some things on hand when people come over. Maybe I'm just feeling that bottle that night and I'll open it and I'll have it for a couple of days. But let's talk about shopping by numbers for a second and talking about on the shelf. Typically, the lower shelf is the least expensive and the higher shelf is the most expensive. So when you're doing when you're looking at it, you think you're going to get what seven, eight, nine bucks at the bottom shelf, six to nine dollars go up to the next shelf you're at seven to like 10 or 11 next shelf up you're probably at like 12 to 20 from there you're at 20 to 40 then if not that if that's not the top shelf then you're at you know 40 ish to you know 60 70 dollars now it depends on not every shelving unit has five to six shelves so it really depends but you'll start to see the progression of what they have and most of us tend to be right in that middle range 10 to 20 dollars for a bottle of wine is no big deal typically um typically reasonable for most people so um like i said not all hundred dollar bottles are going to be exquisite and perfect in the you're not always gonna love them. Where there could be a $10 bottle that you absolutely love, and that's totally okay. Like I said, the one I'm drinking right now, it's a Wine Enthusiast 91 point Best Buy Bogle, B-O-G-L-E Vineyards from California, it's a Petite Syrah. I know they're uh, Zinfandel's award winning, I know they're Cabernet's award winning, Hands down, this is one of my favorite wines of all time. And I'll tell you another one I really, really love. Um, right off the shelf, right in that middle range, and even if you wanted to go to the higher range, Louis Martini. So it's L-O-U-I-S-M Martini. So Louis M. Martini. He has a couple different levels when it comes to his Cabernet. And it starts with the lowest tier is Sonoma County, about 12 to 15 dollars. 
Then it goes up to his Napa. That's about $25 to $30. Then I think he does Alexander Valley, which would I think is between like $35 and $40. Bucks. And then he's got his single vineyard, which I believe is about $50. So I'll tell you what. I have done blind tastings with the Sonoma, $15, and your Napa for $25. So I spend less than 50 bucks on two bottles and I blind taste them with people and 100% of the time, I've had the Sonoma beat out the Napa for flavor. And quite honestly, it's just because, you know, that's just the flavor profile that I think the people I hang out out and around with like but I have to say the cheaper one is my choice I really enjoy the Sonoma more than the Napa Valley which I mean when we start talking about regions and you understand AVAs that means the grapes and the in the Napa Valley are coming from all over Napa Valley um, the ones in Sonoma are coming directly from Sonoma County so you know, different regions yield different grapes, yield different profiles. But we'll get to all of that. And since we're on the subject, I wanted to kind of give some of those recommendations. Um, some of my, like, go-to bottles at the grocery store. And honestly, I kind of looked up a couple of bottles that are, you know, best sellers off the grocery store shelves. So, um... We've covered the Bogle Petite Syrah. Their Zinfandel is also absolutely fantastic. Again, Louis Martini. Um, I'm partial to that Sonoma. Uh, there, another one I really, really love, and sometimes it's kind of hard to find. Um, I have to go to wine shops for this one. Uh, every once in a while, I find it at like a Costco or a uh, BJ's or something. But it's Ferrari Carano. It's their blend. It's Sienna. Um, it's a Sangiovese, I believe, Cab Malbec blend. Don't quote me on the blend, but I know it's heavy Sangiovese, and it is such a good bottle. Actually, the bottle I chose um, to drink for myself my wedding day. Um, so, a few other ones. Uh, Charles Smith Boom Boom Syrah. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, I do absolutely love that bottle. Um, Cloudline Cellars Pinot Noir. I know I've had this bottle like one time. So now that I've done some research, I'm definitely going to want to get my hands on that one. Um, Tor Marseca uh, Naprica. It's a Negra Amora. I'm a huge fan of that grape. Um, so this one I've never tried. Uh, again, I did a little bit of research and I think this one would be a really good try. Um, Charles and Charles Cabernet Sauvignon. I've had this one before. Really good, bold, juicy, fruity, uh, really good cab. Uh, I really like that one. Very drinkable. Like, didn't, don't need food with that, that cab. You can just kind of sit back and have, have a drink. Um, I'm a huge fan of jo Joseph Druin. Um, there's a... Bourgogne Chardonnay, really, really full-bodied, uh, really elegant and elevated Chardonnay there. So um, I really do love that one if you're going French. Um, um, and then Nebbiolo Savion Blanc. This bottle was absolutely a go-to bottle for me when I was really getting into wine. I had a lot of girlfriends of mine when we were younger that didn't really understand big wines and quite honestly they just weren't exposed to the wines I was exposed to because I was in a fine dining setting so um this Nebbiolo Sauvignon Blanc became like that go-to for all of us we knew if that came to the party that it would get drank that everyone would have a good time and um it was just really a go-to bottle for all of us um so I absolutely love that Sauvignon Blanc um New Zealand uh, just very grapefruity really really delicious crisp and clean um another go-to bottle for me I again I'm a, a Michigander I love Grand Traverse 
late harvest Riesling. Now, in another episode, we've talked about, you know, the stages in which the dry versus the sweet and the semi-dry. Um, I love the late harvest. That's an orange strip on the label to tell you late harvest. And this bottle is just absolutely classic. I have one or two in my fridge at all times. Furthermore, um, the Burger Gruner uh, Veltliner, that one has been highly rated. Actually, a lot of the lists that I was looking at, it was on multiple. And um, if you want something bubbly, that Monetto, um, Moyanetto uh, Prosecco, it's a brute, non-vintage, black bottle with like the orangish. Um, don't get it confused with Vouve Clicquot, but Vouve is super good. So if you want something a little bit more high-end than the Mionetto, feel free to get that Vouve Clicquot, because that one's a really, really good one. Now, some of the more popular brands that we're starting to see, um, at least I see more popular, uh, 19 Crimes. I used this one at my wedding as well, just because I got married like Halloween weekend, and they had a label that had Frankenstein on one and um, Dracula on the other, which I thought was really kind of fun and cool. Uh, I matched it with part of my wedding and just had some extra fun because of the Halloween um, nature, which, you know, when you're talking about labels and we're shopping labels, that was a reason why I bought those wines. Um, Another one to think about, um, super popular right now, Bonanza. A uh, really, really good price point. It is like a baby Camus or a quilt. Um, so really good flavor there. And then I'm a huge fan of Duckhorn and they have their decoy line and their decoy line is absolutely exquisite. So some good popular ones for you to try when you are shopping on the shelf. Also something to think about is your vintage. So obviously we talked about harvest and what vintage means. Um, so something to think about if you're gonna just grab a bottle off the shelf and you wanna drink it right away, I would drink something young. So we're in 2024, so you're gonna see vintages 19, 20, 21, 22. Um, I would say those would be some great options for you because those are just open and drink and um, if you want to age it just a little bit and get some air to it go ahead and decant it um, but typically the closer the um, vintage year to the current year um, the younger the wine's going to be but the more like quick and easy drinkable it's going to be I would say unless you're looking for a specific vintage for a reason, you can pretty much get what you're looking for right off the grocery store shelf. Um, also consider, you know, your alcohol content. If you're trying to go lower in alcohol, you'll want to stay in that 13.5 um, alcohol by volume. Those are going to be the lighter, paler colors. So if you're sticking with red, maybe like a Pinot Noir or uh, Barbarasca or something like that um, where your standard weight's at 13.5 to 14. Anything over the 14% is going to be your thicker, your heavier, your deep, darker red wines, so cabs, your Malbecs, your Syrahs, things like that. So, um, I really want to encourage you to think outside the box too and when you're at the grocery store and you're looking at something don't just look at the bottle and go for it because of the pretty label I want you to think about you know where it is on the shelf and where it is in your pocketbook so let's talk about kind of budget um, and try to understand price point and where you can get the most bang for your buck. So um, separating into bargain, um, affordable wines, premium wines, luxury wines, and collectibles. 
So collectibles, I would say like your Opus Ones or maybe there's a bottle that you had at your wedding and you happen to get a case of it and you're going to save that for every anniversary for the next 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Um, actually, that's a really good idea. I might do that. Uh, maybe there is um, a wine that you came across that you happen to get at a vineyard and it was like this really rare wine that they're never going to make again. It's worth collecting. Some of these things become investments. I was in a wine room one day. Oh man, I was in this beautiful house and there was a cellar in the basement. And as you walk in, I walked and stepped to the left and I guess my proximity was off that day because I ran right into a stack of boxes and they were wooden Opus One boxes. And I'll tell you, there was a 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And you guys, I was sitting here like, oh my gosh, this man literally has the mortgage to my house and wine bottles sitting on the floor. And of course, a con temperature controlled cellar in the middle of his basement. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, but some of these things become really, really fantastic collectibles and just stuff to hold on to and invest in. Um, but I think we want to stick to the more bargain and affordable wines because that's really what we're headed towards when we're talking about. So um, what I do want to also talk about is, you know, luxury wines for a second and what that means because a luxury wine for me could be something that's like two, three hundred dollars, where a luxury wine for you could be something that's like seventy-five, eighty dollars. So luxury can mean different things to different people. It's just really depending on how much you're willing to spend. Um, but these luxury wines would be like decanted, um, limited uh, production. So um, maybe something single vineyard, maybe something reserved. Um, I would also say that these are wines that you don't see very often, so it's a limited supply. Then a step down from that would be your premium wines, so superior quality, um, they're pretty concise. These are, I would consider, your Quilts, your Camus, your um, Darius Caravans, your um, Paul Hobbs. I would consider this something for your... I would even consider this in like the Duckhorn and the Decoy uh, realm where it's a little bit more premium. It, you have Adobe in that category. I would give in the Italian world, you know, Vietti's in that category. Um, a lot of your Amarones fall, fall into that. I would put Louis Latour in the French realm into that. Um, and then the lower value i would say is the affordable so safe bets offering you the best value i would say this is like your 50 dollars and under bottles i think you're going to get a really great value if you're going to spend between 30 to 50 dollars i think some of these wines could probably be sold for a lot more but they produce enough to be able to have you know a little bit of supply for their demand um, and I would give this that that higher tier that um, the Bonanza, I would say this could be your Louis Martini, um, your Ferrari Caranos, your Nebbiolos. I think this is um, that that higher middle tier. And then I would say your bargains are your your boxed wine, maybe that black box. Um, bargain would definitely be that Grand Traverse Riesling for, I don't know, 10 bucks. It's a really good bargain for what it is. Um, I would also consider a bargain wine to be Aldi's wine. And I don't know if you have Aldi where you are, but where we do, I realize that some of their wine is actually freaking fantastic. And... Furthermore, Costco, Kirkland brand, really, really good stuff. So let's, let's ask that question. 
big box stores. These are bargain brands. These are like, you know, what you would consider bottom of the barrel, but are they really bottom of the barrel? Because a lot of these things are getting bottled and all this juice is getting bottled in a bottle that could potentially have the label of, say, you know, a really fantastic Cabernet that you thought you're paying, you know, 50, 60, 70 bucks for. And it's the same juice inside of the five, six, seven dollar bottle. It's just where it got bottled and what it's labeled as and where it's being sold. So really, I mean, you could get a $5 bottle at Aldi and it could be a wicked great bottle for you instead of spending 15, 20, 30, maybe 50. So again, beating the budget. We really just wanna pick those bargain brands that we know and love and really kind of want to get the same thing we get all the time but again I want to encourage you to maybe stick to your shelf find your shelf what comfortable price range are you looking at and start picking and choosing different things off the shelf don't stick to any one varietal try something different um, and maybe there's a time frame that you can, you know, get into that higher price point where you spend, you know, maybe like $20, $25 a bottle and you test out the difference and see if you spend 10 extra bucks, does that make a difference to you? Um, if not, then stick to your, you know, two buck chuck and um, really enjoy it. But I also think that when you drink cheap wine, you're gonna feel like crap the next day. So I do highly encourage you to stay hydrated while you're drinking wine. Always obviously drink responsibly. But that also being said, I do notice that when I drink cheap wine, I tend to have the headaches. I tend to be very more like hungover, I guess I would say the next day. Um, when you get into more good quality wine, you are able to understand it and appreciate it and it doesn't really give you that crazy hangover. So, um, while you're at the store, and I know you've looked at these pretty labels and there's, you know, I, the horse and carriage and then there's, you know, the football player and then there's the, um, the bowl or whatever it is that's on the front of the bottle and then you're gonna see these bottles that just you know have the vineyard on them or have a crest and a logo and tell you the name of the grape and then you're like what why why isn't there any character to these and you might just pass over that so let's dive deep into reading labels for just a second. So what's on a label? Well, it, it depends on what you're looking at. So on a New World bottle, you are going to have the wine appellation or region of origin and that is absolutely mandatory that that's on there brand name or wine producer absolutely mandatory vintage date grape varietal optional both of those are optional and then fine print or the legal requirements by the county or the country in which it's in. So um, in New World labels, appellation or region of origin and then brand name or wine producers, absolutely mandatory, has to go on the bottle. Vintage date grape varietal is optional. Um, for the grape to be written on the label saying 
to be Cabernet Sauvignon or Chardonnay or Sauvignon Blanc. In the United States, it has to be 75% of that specific varietal. Um, so what you'll see is uh, vintage of, like, say, 2016. Um, you have a Ramy. You have a Chardonnay from Russian River Valley. It's going to tell you how many milliliters bottled and produced, um, where and, and which county or region, um, and then the alcohol by volume. There's also an opportunity for it to be labeled with the vineyard site name, um, certification, so whether it's reserve or organic, um, wine-specific proprietary names. So we talked about Tom Chalani. Um, he's got Robusto. It's, a Mer it's an unfiltered Merlot, but the proprietary name is Robusto. Um, there's a multiple wine brand names. So if there is like Coppola, they're diamond labels. So I absolutely love Coppola. They have a diamond collection. It is absolutely fantastic. So uh, Duckhorn, another one. Duckhorn has decoy. Um, another really cool story with that. Also style preference. Um, like we've talked about sparkling, late harvest. So there's also all these extra little pieces that you could add to the label that will give you more information about what's in the bottle um but does it necessarily have to go on the bottle or not um so know that there's requirements but a lot of people like to give as much information as possible so um i would say when you're looking at wine at the store if someone took the chance and the opportunity to give it its own proprietary name, there's probably a really cool story behind it. There's probably something going on with that wine. And there's a lot of love and emotion behind that wine. So I would really recommend that you start to kind of take a, a look at wine um, and see what labels kind of jump out at you don't just go for those colorful pictures that you see definitely look at what is on the bottle and on the label that gives away what's in that juice right the the label is going to tell its own story not i'm not even talking about the back of the label even even with probably with a story and with descriptions of what the wine is I'm talking about the front of the bottle and what the label tells you is in there. Is it a Chardonnay? Where's it from? Is it a Cabernet Sauvignon? Is it a Montestrel from Spain? Like, what is it? And what about that label can you tell? So you can tell region, you can tell appellation, you can tell brand name and producer. You can tell if that winemaker had a story with it just by its name you know we have a one of my work it's called bella novella it's a napa valley cab it drinks very old world style it's really really cool and bella novella bella is the winemaker's grandma's name and her face is on the front of the label like there's a story behind this wine and not everybody would go for it because they're like, what is this old woman's face doing on this label, you know? And and once you hear the story, everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. The guy did it. He made the wine for his grandma. That's all. Oh, that's so sweet, you know? And it's really, really kind of cool to see you be able to tug at the heartstrings when it comes to wine. Um, so furthermore reading into the old world labels um know that in old world um there's a lot more regulations in the eu the european union regulates wine labels um and it's a very distinct way 
um, starting with the Appalachian and certified Appalachians and they have to have specific things so their ranking has to be on there so um, superior vineyard land um, if there's a reserva style so extended barrel maturation um, degrees of grape ripeness um, so like a Riesling if it has a specific ripeness to it um, there are a lot of legalities and it also comes in to play when it comes to each individual region so we've talked about like champagne and them being from champagne france or bordeaux being from bordeaux france or chablis um, or a chianti being from a specific region in italy you know barolo barbaresco barbera things like that so all of these come from different and specific areas so more often than not you're not going to get those super fancy labels that you get in the united states when it comes to the old world labels you're going to get the pride of the wine and where it comes from because remember when we talked about the history and how the big plot of land was sold off into smaller pieces of land sold off into smaller pieces and smaller pieces and smaller pieces everyone has their pride and they're proud of their little tiny piece of heaven right and these vineyards have been working for years upon years upon years to have their label shown so um really taking a look at you know what level ranking it is um sometimes you can tell the sweetness level um the style category uh you should be able to see the appellation the producer and the essentially proprietary name so same sort of things that you're seeing in the united states but it's a lot more distinguished when it comes to the old world um we're a little bit more flashy and flamboyant with what our labels look like um where i find that you get a lot more like old school like artistry and class when it comes to the old world side of things um, that being said, don't be afraid to look things up. Don't be afraid to take out your phone and look it up on the Google machine. That's what I call Google, the Google machine. Um, but there's another way of really keeping track of the wines that you are trying and the things that you see at the grocery store. Um, it's an app that I use and I fully back this app. Um, it's Vivino, V-I-V-I-N-O. Um, it's a little burgundy color square with uh, white grapes on it. Really, really fantastic app. Um, you can scan the front of the bottle. It's going to give you vintage. It's going to give you tasting notes, reviews from other people who drank this wine. Click to get to the website. You can order right from there. But furthermore, it keeps a really cool profile for you. Um, so it allows you to keep a record of all the wines that you're tasting on your wine journey. I also highly encourage you to get a small wine journal. So especially when you're doing tastings, you can kind of write down little bits and pieces of your deductive tasting so that you continue to learn as you go. Um, now, as we kind of wrap up the part about grocery shopping because I feel like we've covered like where to go what to do and um, some really good wines to get to I, I feel like if you have any questions or if you need something Google's your friend but take a chance who cares $10, $20 to potentially experience flavors you've never experienced before, but also to create
create a memory. And I think every wine is worth that. So be adventurous. Take a plunge into something different. I'd say start at one end of the aisle and work your way down and check some things out. Um, but I also want to talk about when you go out to eat and what you order wine-wise when you go out to eat. Now, it just kind of depends on where you are, first of all. Um, if I'm at a chain restaurant, I'm probably not ordering wine. I know that their wine selection is probably not going to be up to par by for the standard that I would want, especially to have with a meal. Um, I'll wait and have something good when I get home. I'll just, you know, get a water or tea or maybe a Coke or something. But um, when you are going to have wine in a restaurant, I would say the best experience that I could provide to you being on the service side is really sitting down and really asking you the basic questions. So for a second, I'm going to step into the shoes of myself as a sommelier, and I'd love for you to pretend like you're my guest, okay? And the first thing I do as a sommelier when I have a guest sit down and say it's four people, you're two couples, right? And we have one couple who drinks Pinot Noir and Pinot Noir only. And then I have another couple where the lady drinks Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blancs and the gentleman will drink pretty much whatever, but he likes bold, juicy cabs. So I have to sit back and say, dang, what am I going to ask to kind of figure out where I can have them meet in the middle? And I start asking the question, first of all, when you go to the grocery store, what's your first thing that you go towards? And I get the answer, the Pinot Noir, the Chardonnay, and I get the answer, the Cab. And then I say, okay, ma'am, you drink white wine. Are you willing to try a red wine? If I get you something that's balanced, that's leveled, that gets you into um, maybe a, a more of a beginner style red wine she says okay i'm in for that excellent now i have everybody on the same page that we want red wine well sir i got three people in the more introductory or more lighter body maybe we say as the pinot noir are you willing to try something different he says yeah sure so then i'm gonna say all right cool i'm not going with a willamette valley I'm not going with a California. I have a really nice French Pinot Noir on my list and it has a really bold body. Um, it's got really, really nice tannin acid play. It is really a smooth finish and it's an easy drinker. And I know the body works for my girl who can do a Chardonnay. I know that the Pinot Noir drinkers are going to love it because it's a French Pinot. And I know that the body holds up enough for my guy who's like the juicy fruity. And it's got a good level of like the acid to the fruitiness at the beginning of the palate that it really gives that pungency that he would probably be looking for. So in that moment, I took a few questions and a few answers from these people. And knowing what was on my list, I was able to give them something that was probably something that all four of them would have absolutely enjoyed. So I tell you that little bit of how I do things to tell you this. If there's someone at a restaurant that can help you, guide you in the right direction, then go for it. Otherwise, I would say look at your middle tier. Your middle tier in a restaurant would be somewhere in the glass pour range of 12 to like 18 bucks. Somewhere in the bottle range, 40 to 75 dollars. There's always some really good wines in that price range and you can never kind of go wrong in that price range. Now, if you do want to get into a higher price range and you want to get into more fancy wines and things like that, 
I would say go to a wine place that specializes in that so that you can speak with a sommelier or speak with someone who is considered a wine expert in the space. Um, but know that a good sign of a restaurant that knows their wine is that, well, a place like mine is called the Wine Grotto. So um, we know our wines. Um, but wine glasses are on the table. They have large glasses. Everything's clean and polished and organized. Um, bad signs, you're not going to get really any good wines when you're not seeing wine glasses visible. They have really small. Um, you can tell that the wine glasses aren't really used very often. They're heavy on the base. Um, and their wine list is really incomplete. Now, when you're looking at a wine list, um, you really want to make sure that you're looking for what you want. And sometimes the coolest section is like it, in my list, it's called the interesting route section. I really think that you can find something at a reasonable price that's totally different, totally wicked cool, um, and have a great experience and it won't break the bank. So um, I would recommend trying to seek out maybe a glass pour, um, but I really would try to seek out something in more of an interesting section, more the unique sections, because they tend to run a little bit lighter in price, but really unique in flavor. Um, as for going out to dinner, I would say pairing your wine with your food is also a really significant piece to all of that um, and we're going to have a, a really great session on food pairing and um, like what to get and what makes sense acid tannin um, you know flavor profile wise and what you want to pair food and wine with um, but I would also recommend that you stick to what you know and in a, a restaurant setting especially in a restaurant that they serve wine and they serve high-end wines you're definitely gonna have the opportunity to get recommendations from the people that work there and most of the time I would say that was your best bet the last thing I want to cover this week is um, wine clubs. Um, I have been a part of a couple of wine clubs and I really think this is a really great way to get your hands on bottles that are not at the grocery store, um, are not at restaurants. Um, these are wines that a lot of the times these companies are just selling to get in the hands of the consumer. So, you know, direct to consumer. Um, during COVID, I was a part of two wine clubs. Yeah, two wine clubs. Um, and my absolute favorite is First Leaf. Um, First Leaf gave me the opportunity to have full control over when I wanted my wine, um, how many bottles I wanted, red-white, combinations. Um, I absolutely loved First Leaf. They were very reasonably priced. Their shipping was fantastic. It was quick. It was inexpensive. Um, I really have nothing bad to say about First Leaf. My experience with them was really great. Um, WSJ, Wall Street Journal's Wines. Um, I'm sure everyone has gotten that mailer in the mail about this wine club and I would again highly recommend this one. I've done this one before. Um, they tend to get really cool wines, but they do tend to be a little bit more repetitive than the First Leaf was. First Leaf I was able to swap out my bottles so I could change things up and I would have less um, opportunity for duplicate bottles. Um, I was able to also do domestic and imports. Um, WSJ, you can do that as well. But like I said, they kind of get repetitive. So after you've had all their wines, they, you know, they need a larger selection, I think, sometimes. Or maybe I just need to stop ordering so much wine. <laughs> um, 
as I was doing some more research, um, I noticed Nat Geo, uh, another one called Swirl, um, Plunk, P-L-O-N-K, Plunk, P-L-O-N-K. I noticed this was really unique wines. Um, Argentinian, Uruguay, um, Panama. There was a bunch of really cool ones. Um, wine.com. Blue Apron. Blue Apron's doing wine with food now pairing. Um, you can always order from Total Wine. I noticed a couple more that I really want to check into and more on that as we come. But uh, Bright Cellars, Vine Box, and Wink. It's W-I-N-C. So I think it's Wink. So it's like a play on W and having ink like incorporated, but also having wine, W-I-N, and then having a C instead of an E. Um, again, Vinebox, V-I-N-E, B-O-X, and then Bright Cellars. Um, another one that I'm going to just shamelessly plug right now um, as we wrap up the evening. I am a partner of... One Hope Winery in Napa Valley. Um, you can go to my website at vivaporvino.com and click on the partnership spot and go to my One Hope link. This link directs you to another page and this page gets you to my personal site for One Hope Winery. Um, One Hope is an award-winning winery uh, they were six friends who, out of a back of a truck, made some juice, put it in a bottle, and started selling it. Um, now they have award-winning wines on an exclusive winery in Napa Valley, and they're doing absolutely fantastic things. 10% of all sales go to the charity of your choice. Um, that being said... I have my website set up for Michigan Humane Society as the charity. If you decide that you'd like to purchase some wine from me, you can go on my site and you can shop for wine. If you check out, the Michigan Humane Society will get that donation. We appreciate that. Um, if you also check out and you decide to pick your own charity, you're absolutely welcome to do that. Now, we're on the subject of Wine Club. Wine Club here is absolutely freaking fantastic. Six bottles. First initial payment into this Wine Club is $20, guys. $20. That's going to get you free shipping forever, as long as you stay in Wine Club. Then you have the opportunity of getting a free bottle on your second shipment. You're going to get a free bottle on your fourth shipment. On your third shipment, you get qualified for an exclusive trip out to the winery. Um, just absolutely awesome opportunities for you in the wine club with One Hope. And 100% the opportunity to give back to charity. Um, the charity donation is 10% of the sales. Um, once you put the 501c3 number or the charity, honestly, you can just look it up as soon as you get through um, to the checkout, and that will set you up to send that donation directly to the charity that you choose. Um, again, that's One Hope Winery. Um, I would say go to my website, vivaporvino.com, under partnerships. Click on my link there. You can join the wine club. I would love to have you. Um, I would love to see what you order um, and how we can get you something different the next time you order around. Um, it's really, really awesome wine. There's a ton of really cool stuff. Basic wines between the prices of like 15, 17 bucks all the way to like 60, 70, 80, 100 dollar bottles of wine. Um, some really fantastic their Paso Robles Cabernet is hands down one of my favorite cabs um, I absolutely love their herstory uh, collection I do am very partial to the rosé um, and I love their Prosecco so award-winning wines um, so shameless plug there would be buy wine from me 
um, through One Hope Winery via my website at vivacorvino.com. Um, that is all I have for you tonight. Um, another hour session with me, Jennifer, your sommelier with Viva Porvino, a podcast about wine. Um, I really appreciated walking through the grocery store with you today and really hope that you feel a little bit more comfortable when you go to the grocery store after today. And um, I would love it if you comment back to me on my social media posts about what wines that you picked up. I'd love to hear more about what you're trying. I will continue to show you what I'm trying. Um, check out my tasting notes on my website. Um, follow on social media at Viva Porvino. And thanks so much for being with me, enjoying a glass of wine tonight, and really enjoying the opportunity to educate ourselves, learn a little bit more about wine. Um, around here, we live for wine. Cheers, my friends. See you next Wednesday. <laughs>